Hi, I'm Lynn Hardy with Agape Christian Fellowship. This is our Agape Fellowship meeting. Agape means the love of God, the love that passes all understanding, the love, pure love, that he gives us for one another. We're going to take time and fellowship here today and discuss some things that God has revealed to us. How many of you have heard the term soul ties? You, it may be something you've heard in passing, or perhaps you've understood it for years. If you have, I wish you were here with us today so you could share your knowledge. But since the Holy Spirit has been educating me on this topic, I will now pass that wisdom on to you. Soul ties can be very difficult to understand unless you are aware of two basic principles, the rightful order of creation and the fact that we are like God. Let's establish these two things before fully discussing soul ties. We know from the scripture that there are two realms. There is at least, at the very least, <laughs> there is a physical realm which we live in, and there is a spiritual realm where God resides. Now, for centuries, we have had a tendency to put more faith, more confidence in what we can feel and touch and see with our physical existence. The more apparent and substantial something is, the more we trust in it. It is easier to trust in this chair <laughs> that we can see, that we can test for sturdiness, than to trust in the fact that there is a realm that we cannot easily see, that we cannot easily interact with. Even though we know the Bible is true and we confess that it is true, for many of us, it is hard to believe that in a whole other world called the spirit realm, that we cannot touch with our hands, that we cannot see every moment that we're awake. However, the word of God says this, by faith, we understand that the world were framed by the word of God so that the things which are unseen, that's the spiritual realm, were made were not made of the things which are visible. Meaning everything in the spirit realm was before this physical realm. This physical realm came from that spiritual realm. All things were created from God, by God from the spiritual realm. We know the Bible says God spoke and it was. He created all that we know by speaking from the spiritual realm, and then it came into the physical realm. So let me ask you this, which is greater, the thing that is created or the thing from which it was formed? Thanks to movies and television shows, we think of spirit beings as ghosts, as insubstantial, and most of the time, ineffectual in the physical realm. The spirit realm is portrayed as dismal, indistinct, and, ub and unsubstantial. This couldn't be further from the truth. Angels are spirit beings created by God to be his servants. Each person has a guardian angel. We know this from Psalms 91.11 and Hebrews 1.14. And we've seen in the word of God that other angels visit earth as directed by him. People, when they see these angels, they are dazzled by these beings when their appearance is fully revealed. Most of the time, because of the power that comes with it, they are in awe. You might see the word fear in the Bible. Every time an angel appears, the first thing they say is, fear not, because their presence brings with them the substance of God from the spiritual realm. That is so powerful. They come into awe type of fear. They're in so in awe, they tremble because they know how small they are compared to what they're seeing. After all, 
it was only two angels disguised as men who destroyed the entire cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That came from God's mighty power in the spiritual realm, according to Genesis 19. We must be intimately aware that the spirit realm is more powerful than our physical realm, even if we cannot contact it, even if it's hard to, uh, for it to be revealed to us, even if it's a struggle to know it. The second thing we need to know is that we are like God. We were created in the, it says in the word, we were created in the image or like God. This is in Genesis 1.26. Just as he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he has three parts to his being, so we have three parts to our being. We are a spirit. That's our inner being that connects with God's kingdom, the spirit realm. Most times we are unable to see or feel this part of our being with our natural bodies. We also have a soul. That is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we have a body. That's our physical selves. Many people refer to this as a tent. In the Bible, man is often used in the genderless sense, meaning all of humankind. In this context, our spirit is referred to our inner man or our heart. Every person, male and female, have an inner man. They have a spirit. And in many places in the Bible, it's referred to our, as our heart. Mostly in the New Testament, um, the Old Testament has a specific word in Hebrew for, for that in many cases. God is a spirit, and like him, this is part of humanity, is the part of our humanity that lives forever. It's our spirit being that joins him in heaven. In the scripture, Paul confirms that we have three parts to our being. Now many, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, that your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It is in instinctive to put that which you can feel and see at the top of the list in the order of power and influence in our lives. But that would be wrong. Are we more powerful than God? The part of us that is like God, the most like God, is our spirit being. And, and Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, puts it in the right order. First the spirit, then the soul, and finally the body. This is the right order of importance. Now that we know we have parts to our being, now we can talk about soul ties. The term soul tie refers to something that is connected to us by a bridge or a rope in the spirit. And it is anchored to our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Jesus shows us how these connections may be developed. After he was telling his disciples um, to focus on achieving things for the kingdom of heaven, storing up treasures for themselves in the spirit realm, he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's Matthew 6, 21. Now our physical heart cannot be in a place other than our body, even if we are treasuring something far away. So we know this doesn't have to do with our physical heart. In this case, your heart refers to your soul, your mind, your will and emotions. A treasure is something of great worth. It stirs up our soul. We think about it with our mind. We desire it with our emotions. It stirs up our passions. When your soul is continually stirred up and you're focusing on, on something else, then your spirit will be tied to that thing. 
sorry about that, Holy Spirit. Your heart in this is actually your spirit. It's a tie in the spiritual realm to that thing. So look at it this way. It anchors to your soul, but it, the tie comes through the spirit, through the heart of a man. Most often when we're speaking of a soul tie, it is to a person. The word of God shows us the way these are formed. Starting at 1 Samuel 17, we see that David introduced as a mighty warrior, drawing even King Saul's attention. And then this happens. This is 1 Samuel 18.1. And the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And David loved him as he loved his own soul. It started with Jonathan becoming aware and being awed by David's ability as a warrior. Because he valued that relationship, there was a great emotion, love formed. And this love formed a tie with David. This tie was in their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions. And it was a spiritual tie in the spirit realm. In the following verses, we see that Jonathan dedicates himself to David. He gives him his robe as a sign of status, to his weapons, his defenses. He gives everything that he has, places it before David, and fully dedicates himself. This dedication of who you are, it solidifies that soul tie. It makes it strong. Now, there are both good and bad soul ties in the Bible. In this article, this article will be devoted to the benefit of soul ties, not the negative. We'll handle that next week. Let's do the good things first. Now, there are three types of dedications that we can make, three very distinct effects that a soul tie may have upon us. These can easily be referred to as levels of devotion and levels of benefits for soul ties. The very first level is the level that a friend brings. First, let's, be, let's define a friend. <laughs> let's define a friend as anyone that we have great emotion for, but not in a sexual way. Like David and Jonathan, there was admiration and there was a deep passion for each other. But it wasn't a bad thing because God never says it's a bad thing. We see clearly in the story of David, when he goes wrong, God steps in and lets us know. But there's no mention of this tie between them being bad. Now, twins that share a womb often have this type of connection. Um, a result of this soul tie is sometimes a knowing when that person needs help. This is found in 1 Samuel 23, 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went into the woods to David, and he strengthened his hand in God. See, Jonathan knew that David needed help. It was because of that soul tie. The Hebrew word is yad, Y-A-D. It is translated hand. However, it really means, um, it, it indicates power and means going in that direction. The purpose of a good soul tie with a friend is to strengthen us and point us to God in our time of need. That's why it said that he strengthened his hand in God. He, he pointed David back to God and, and strengthened him in the fact that he was God's man and everything was going to be okay in his time of need. Now, David was a man after God's heart. We see that in Acts 13, 22. And as I mentioned, nowhere does it say that the bond between David and Jonathan were bad. This means that there can be good soul ties. But we must remember when this occurred. It was before the fulfillment of the law in the Old Testament. In those days, the Holy Spirit could only come upon someone when God needed them for a purpose. So at this time, a strengthening by a good, loyal friend was the best that a person could have. 
Not so anymore. According to John 14, 16, it says, this is our Lord speaking, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The job of a friend is to comfort, comfort and strengthen us. The sacrifice of our Lord paid the price for us to receive the Holy Spirit as our comforter, to be with us forever. The Holy Spirit is our dear friend who will always point us back to Jesus. According to John 15, 26, it says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's Jesus telling us what the Holy Spirit is sent for, not only to comfort us, but to testify, to tell us, to show us, to reveal to us the Lord. This is what Jonathan did for David. He pointed him back to God in his time of need. Unlike Job's friends, do you remember how they spoke wrongly of God? When we trust in the Holy Spirit, he will only speak rightly of God. Our comforter also strengthens us. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 through 4 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no man understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Some people refer to this unknown tongue as praying in the Spirit or our heavenly language. To edify means to strengthen. So when we let the Holy Spirit control our tongues, when we let go and let him speak through our mouth, he, he speaks directly to God. And it strengthens our spirit as he flows through us. This should be our goal. To connect in our soul, in our spirit, with the Holy Spirit and with no other. Because there are negatives that come along with these soul ties. We'll discuss those next week and in the, and in the next article. This is the very first level of our relationship with God. When we accept Jesus as our Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit as our counselor, our comforter, our friend. When we know that we have this option for perfection, why would we want any other ties to our soul other than the Holy Spirit? There is so much more that these ties can do. Let's look at the deeper levels. Level two. Level two are referred to as a leader that brings power. Let's look at it in the Old Testament first. Let's establish that it's God's way. In the story of Elijah and Elisha, this demonstrates that devotion to a leader can bring power and anointing. We have to look at the key points of the relationship to understand it. In 1 Kings 19 through 21, it says that he returned, and he, being Elijah, returned back from him and took, or no, and he, meaning Elisha, turned back to Elijah and took an oak of oxen, and he slew them. He boiled their flesh with instruments of the oxen, and he gave to the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, and he ministered to him. Like other soul ties, it begins with recognition and admiration of the man of God. If you read the first part of chapter 19, you see that Elisha knew who Elijah was. He recognized him. He admired him. And then he slew the oxen that he was working with in the field. These oxen were of great value. They helped provide substance. So a soul tie to a leader can begin with a great sacrifice of our material substance and acknowledging the man of God. This is followed by providing for that person's needs, ministering to them. Now, many men of God require their flocks today and the people who follow them to perform some customs, some duties of taking care of them. Many do these things believing that they will receive 
an anointing or a mantle from that person. I'm not saying that it's bad to sow seeds into the life of an anointed person. That's God's will. When you receive spiritual wisdom, you're supposed to give back acknowledging God, not the man. You honor God and thank the man for bringing God's word by sowing into their life. That is the right way. This was deeper than that. This was a devotion to him where Elisha followed everywhere Elijah went. He did all things for him. He, he was his servant. So there are many men of God today thinking that their congregation needs to serve them. That would be akin to this passage here. So Elisha had a ministry and miracles that were much like Elijah's. This is the effect of a soul tie and a mantle being passed from one person to the next. We begin to operate in the things that they do and the way that they, that they do it. Now this looks really good on the surface, but we have been given so much more. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This was Jesus talking to his disciples, telling them to go and wait, wait in, in Jerusalem. They, when we are ready to work for God, when we acknowledge Jesus as our leader and do what he says, because Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait until they receive power from the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus and the Holy Spirit will bring our mantle to us. Jesus is our high priest under the order of Melchizedek. That's Hebrews 5.10. He is the one that we should dedicate ourselves to, not a man. Why would we ever want to receive something that would have us imitating a man when the Bible tells us this? 2 Corinthians 2.18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as if in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Our goal shouldn't be to be like a leader. It should be to be like the Lord. If we see the Lord and our leader, we see the fruits of the Spirit. We see wisdom or anointing. Yes, we can say, Lord, I want to be like you want me to be. And I hope that some of these gifts you'll pass on to me but it's not from the person, it is from the Lord. We should be coming more and more like our high priest, Jesus, who is perfect in every way. The man or woman of God that you are idolizing, do you know their faults? There was one that I recall that was a very anointed pastor, but he had a temper. He was, the cops were called because he was abusing his kids. How many mighty men of God have you seen fall? Do you want their negative, sinful habits along with their good? Jesus has no sin. I do not wish my soul to be tied to any man, only unto the Lord alone. And he, he will bring the pure anointing, the pure mantle, and I can strive to be like him, not like man. Now, the third level of a soul tie. Marriage. Marriage brings oneness. Genesis 2, 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. He shall join to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Also in Psalm 63, 8, it says, My soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me. In, in that psalm, it's speaking about God, speaking about seeking the Lord. The Hebrew word, hmm, I wish Isaac, Isaac, are you here? How do you pronounce that Hebrew word? It is D-A-B-A-Q. I have no idea how to pronounce that word. We'll call it uh, Dabak. I don't know. That's about as close as I get. I should have really looked at that beforehand. So, Dabak, it looks like Dabak to me, is used 
in both verses mm. as to join and to follow hard after. When it says that a man should cleave, um, should join his, should join to his wife, some verses say cleave to, it means to follow hard after, to be lovingly devoted to. And that's what it means in Psalm 63. Follow hard after also means to be lovingly devoted to, according to the Genesis Hebrew Chaldean lexicon. The one thing that God allows only inside marriage is sex. It's when our bodies are joined in the most intimate acts. And this creates a soul tie. Intimacy brings a deep, level of tying to the soul. It is why God designed that we should only have one. And it, we should cleave to, follow hard after, be lovingly devoted to the one that we marry. Continued intimacy, continued relationship brings a melding of behaviors in our physical lives, our flesh. Have you ever noticed how a husband of wife of many years seem to become more and more alike? What we are lovingly devoted to, we imitate. We just naturally start flowing with that thing. Now, according to Deuteronomy 10.20, it says, You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him. And to him shall you hold and swear by his name. John 14.23 says, Jesus answered to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him, and I will come to him, and we, and, and make our stay with him. The process of creating a bond in our soul, a soul tie to a person, is the same use for entering into a relationship with our heavenly groom, Jesus. You know, we are his bride. He is our groom. He is our Lord. The Hebrew word yar, Y-A-R-E, is translated to fear, but it means to be in awe of. The phrase, to him you shall hold, is the same word as cleave. It's the debak word again. So, so we know that we should hold firmly to the Lord, that we should be in awe of who he is. And we should be lovingly devoted to him. The New Testament confirms this process with our Lord. We love him. That's the first step. If we will keep his word, that's the second step. First, we have to acknowledge him, acknowledge how awesome he is, and acknowledge our passion for him. And after that passion, then we keep his, his words. And then the father returns. He returns that love to us. And finally, God comes to stay with an intimate relationship with us. Then it, we be inhabit together. Just as a man and a woman are cleaved together, they leave their family. So we have to leave all things and be willing to cleave to our Lord. Jesus should be first in our life. However, don't forget, when you take a vow of marriage, it is before God. Mark 10, 9 says, Therefore, what man is joined together, let no man separate. God will never go against what he has already said or done. When we take vows before him, he expects us to keep it. He knows all things and will never lead us to harm our earthly spouse or our relationship with them. Yet, he expects us to yearn and to seek after our heavenly beloved. In our heart, in our spirit, in our soul, we should yearn for him. He should be first in our hearts and minds, and our husband a close second, knowing that our Lord would never cause us to do anything to hurt him, because our Lord is good. He will keep us from damaging our relationship with our spouse, if we will listen to him. Now let's wrap this all up by confirming the New Testament soul ties. 
the Old Testament is good for learning. That's what our word says. It's in the New Testament. I didn't write down the verse. I apologize. <laughs> in these treasured books of the Old Testament, we find out some great benefits for soul ties. This was before man had access to the Holy Spirit. Now we have something better. A man who is perfect in all ways. We have our Lord. Even Moses and David had sin in their lives. Every mighty man of God has faults. Through the sacrifice of the cross, we can be tied directly to God through Jesus and his spirit. Our souls should be tied to our Lord in three levels. As comforter, the Holy Spirit, he strengthens us and directs us towards God. We should be tied to our Lord as leader. We need to place Jesus as our spiritual leader and receive all our anointings and gifts from him. And three, marriage. We need to know that we are in a covenant agreement with our Lord, that he is first. Place him and God above all others, and you will have an intimate relationship with him. It means to share our lives, to habitate with him day and night. That's what the word of God says. He will, he will come and make his habitation with us so that we can become more like Jesus day after day. This is what our Lord desires for us. These are the benefits and the levels of soul ties, the good ones. It may help to think of your soul like a conduit. And the more things attached to it, the less room for each one thing. By removing all the other ties to your soul, all the other influence for severing those ties, it allows the Holy Spirit to flow through you more strongly and into the lives of all the others around us. In the next article and tomorrow or next week, we'll discuss the bad soul ties. It may let you know if you're suffering from one, to know the effects of them. We'll also discuss how to remove them so you can be solely devoted, solely, haha, like that, <laughs> solely devoted to you, Lord Jesus, and, and have everything focused on him. Do we have any questions about soul ties? Wow, we have a lot of people here. Okay, Caroline, I've unmuted you. Hi. Yeah, I um I was just wondering, can you have a soul tie with your mum? Um because my mother is ill and um living with in another area of London and I seem to get very, very emotional and have not been able to kind of let go of it. I'm gonna pass that on to Sandra, who actually is much more um, has known about soul ties and studied them for many years. Sandra? Yeah, wherever there's an emotional exchange or connection, there can be a soul tie. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and one of the indicators that there's a soul tie is that you can't seem to get free of it, no matter what you do. So I would say that, yes, you, you have a soul tie to your mum, Carolyn. Yeah. And it's easy to break a soul tie. Um, we're, before we, um, we, I won't give you all the scriptures here today, but it's just a, a matter of, of announcing, um, Heavenly Father, I just ask today that you break any ties to my soul concerning my mother. I honor my mother and I love her and I thank her for all that she's done in my life. But I, I desire, mighty God, that the only ties are, ties are to you and the Holy Spirit. Mm. my Lord Jesus, and just ask him to, to cut that with the sword of the spirit, and then you'll be free. Okay. All right. That's now, great. Um, the Holy Spirit's reminding me that sometimes there is something that will tie the, the, the souls together. We've seen this in the courts of heaven. It can be some kind of sin, some kind of um, dedication, you know, a verbal um, mm. acknowledgement, something you've said. So ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything that you need to confess and get under the blood to make sure that tie is broken. Okay. All right. Thank you. And can I just add that, you know, when you remove something, always um, ask the Lord to fill you with his peace. He yeah. says that he, he leaves with us his peace. 
and you don't want to be leaving any empty spaces in your soul. So you just fill that space with his peace. I just put it this way. I say, and Lord, I ask that you strengthen all the ties to you or to Yahweh, which means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to you, Father, you, Jesus, and you, Holy Spirit. Strengthen those ties today. Because then yeah. that will take care of that filling, that space with God. Hi, Lynn. Um, my question was, what happened when a minister, a spiritual leader, a pastor, an apostle, whatever, um, lay their hands on you? Can that create a soul tie? It depends on the prayer that's prayed. Um, we always cut soul ties after prayers because look at soul ties as being a bridge in the spirit. When you're joined with somebody in prayer, focused in, on the spiritual realm, focused on God, you are joined with that person in the spirit realm. And then from that point on, there's like a little bridge between the two of you. And demons can flow from that bridge. Um, I've actually had backlash in the courts of heaven after praying for someone um, and there was a bad presence upon them. And then all of a sudden, right after the appointments, I started getting sick and I was reminded to cut soul ties and I did. And immediately the symptoms went away. Mm. So definitely prayer can lead to ties. And so after, if you receive a prayer, just say, Father, I thank you for that prayer, but I ask that all ties in the spiritual realm, all, any bridges be dissolved right now. Amen. Thank you. Is that about right, Sandra? Is there anything else I missed? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, every human being will have areas that are ungodly in their lives. And so you don't want to be picking those up. And so, you know, it's not about the person being a bad person or anything like that. It's just making sure that you're not having anything that's not dealt with in their lives transferred to you. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. Do we have anybody else, Lydia or Sandra? Yep. Joyce um, makes a good point actually about, um, you know, when we're baby Christians or immature and we kind of look to leaders for prayer and for teaching as we go along and we grow, do we have soul ties to them? Well, um, Sandra, you have been a spiritual teacher much longer than I have. You've been in the ministry for for many, many years. Uh, can you speak to that? Yeah, I, well, I think um, particularly for leaders, uh, the principle that you, you shared about Jonathan and David, a, a leader's responsibility is to point the people that they are responsible for to Jesus. And so... Um, you should always be that awareness that you're being pointed to the Lord and not looking to the person to become Jesus for you. And so um, as a baby Christian, yes, it's very easy to look to a more mature Christian to receive, like a mentor, really, to receive teaching, to, to admire and respect them. Um, so there's a very thin line and I would say, yes, it's possible that you could, until you mature, you could look to them instead of to Jesus. And so there's a need to cut soul ties from that perspective. And that is why we have our academy in the courts of heaven designed the way they are. We take you in for grace and mercy and then hand you over to the Holy Spirit. And through the academy classes, you're learning to listen to him to confess and turn from sin as he reveals it to you and you learn God's ways. And so then it's only a matter of teaching you how to receive charges, um, you know, letting you work with us in the courts until, you, until your spiritual ears are open and you can receive from the Holy Spirit. But that way we're teaching you to rely on Jesus, rely on the courts of heaven for yourself and the Holy Spirit and not be rely upon us. That's why the Lord has us designed this in a way um, many of you may be curious why we stopped taking people to the courts over and over again and instead had them go through the academy. Well, that's why. We didn't want anyone to depend on, upon us to hear um, and become dependent upon us. We, want, we wanted to teach every person to connect with the Holy Spirit, to receive for themselves in the courts of heaven, 
because Jesus provided that for all of us. And we don't want to step into a position that isn't ours. There's two questions here. I'll, I'll do this first. This first one is from Lorna. Is it necessary to renounce each soul tie individually, name by name, or can we do this with one prayer to break them all? There may be some we're not aware of. That is an awesome question. Mm, now, question. it is my understanding. I've seen it in the, because I've, this has been revealed in the spirit, in the courts of heaven, and I've, I've vis visibly seen this happen. Um, I can speak to the fact that there are some soul ties, as we've said, that require you to renounce certain actions. You will have to um, renounce them and confess that you were guilty of doing them. So like, for instance, if it's a spiritual leader that you depended way too much on, that, that you, you know, cleave to instead of cleaving to Jesus, then, then it's time to say, oh, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for trying to lean on that person's spiritual connection to you instead of developing my own. And then, then after you do that, then you can cleave that, you can separate that soul tie. Um, because you've made the confession and then asked for the blood of Jesus to cover that sin. And you have to re repent, meaning saying, from now on, Lord, I'm going to try to learn to depend on you. Teach me to hear your voice. Help me to learn to depend on you. And then that'll allow that soul tie to be broken. So sometimes there is a, an action that we have to do to receive the fullness of that separation. Um, but Sandra, how about each individual soul tie and whatnot? Can you speak to that as well? Generally speaking, you should be able to, um, depends on the circumstances, I suppose. For example, I visited a church on sun, this last Sunday night and they had um, a time where there was laying on of hands by a lot of people. When I left that church service, I did a general prayer where I cut all soul ties with every and any person who laid hands on me. So I didn't name them, but I just cut off everything and anything from anyone who may have imparted something into me that was not of God. So that's a general prayer that covers general things. There are other times, particularly as a pastor, where I have prayed for people and I've come home afterwards and I thought, I feel so drained or I or I can't shake off a headache, or I feel like a bus has hit me. And I think, God, who haven't I cut soul ties with? And he will give me a specific person. And when I cut soul ties with them, I immediately feel a change in my physical, um, you know, well-being. And so in that case, it's an individual. So I think it's, um, you know, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit. And he'll reveal to you whether a general prayer will cover, certainly does cover um, a number of people in a group situation or if it's an individual thing that you do. So I think um, Jolanda is speaking along those same lines. She's saying, do love letters from old boyfriends create a soul tie and just throwing them out um, away dissolve such ties? I think throwing them away will remove the thing that could keep it tied to you and, and reinstate that tie. But you still need to, I think, break that tie. What do you think, Sandra? Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you ever find yourself thinking about old boyfriends or being drawn back to the same person, and this often happens in an abusive relationship, a person can't get free, it's because there's a soul tie. And that needs to be broken. Okay, so Lydia, uh, you had a remark about wrong prayers. Do you want to speak that one out? In case the people missed it in chat? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I was just, um, there was somebody had asked a question here. So when you come into wrong agreement with someone, <clears throat> and it doesn't even have to be a prayer, let's say you start coming into cahoots with someone to go rob a bank. Yep. You're forming soul ties. And also if you <clears throat> pray wrong prayers with someone, 
So you have to be careful about conversations you're having with people. And you might even be doing it in jest, but the enemy hears that. And so we have to be careful that we're not coming into wrong agreement with people. Wow, Lydia, you just provided the information. Okay, now I know why God had me write that post last week. Remember the article that I wrote uh, um, about liking, sharing, and watching things? Yes. That. Yeah. So that would yeah. be lesson three on soul ties. I'm going to give you a very specific example of what can happen and how coming into wrong agreement and with a soulish matter can really affect your spiritual life and even your physical life. We're going to, that's going to be day three. So get ready for yeah. a good teaching on, on soul ties. I had no idea it was so big. I, I wrote this first article and I was surprised. I'm like, oh my gosh, it was so long. There's so much information just about the good soul ties. Next week, we'll talk about all the different types of bad soul mm -hmm. ties, the different effects so you can identify any in your life. And I think yeah. also, if I can say that, I think a lot of us um, where we can really kind of stumble is we don't believe soul ties can happen over the internet. And they can with a complete stranger. You could be having yeah. a conversation with a stranger or you like, you know, whatever they posted and boom, the enemy's got you. We're so, gonna, very let's, save that. let's save that for week three because we're going to tell you all about that. We're going to give you some live examples of exactly how the, whole, the enemy can move into your life so quickly. Right. And the dangers of the internet, the dangers of all um, the social media, and how that can really mess with your soul, which creates wreaks havoc in your spirit and your spiritual mm -hmm. life as well. So we've got one from Jillian. If after you have repented and prayed to cut the soul tie, can it reattach? Um, Sandra, you've dealt with soul ties a lot longer than I have. Um, in order for it to reattach, wouldn't you have to be stirred up emotionally again about it? You, you would have to open the door for that, which would be coming into agreement with them or having some kind of emotional exchange. Um, so, for example, arguments. If you argue with someone, and uh, this is probably an area where there are relationship breakups, <laughs> you have to be really careful that you don't through an emotional exchange, end up with the soul tie again to that person. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes great sense. And, and now we know how easily these things can be developed. And one of the ways, I think, to cut a soul tie, the Holy Spirit is saying, that's why forgiveness is so important. Mm. Because if you'll walk mm. in that forgiveness with that person and, and um, not let unforgiveness or bitterness take a root that soul tie will kind of be dissolved so sometimes soul ties can be dissolved by our lord by our forgiveness of that person does that sound like something that you've experienced sandra yeah yeah um forgiveness has a a really well with it again you know it gets down to that emotional connection and that emotional exchange and forgiveness is just such a key and yes it um, definitely would have a on the heart heart level forgiveness breaks a lot yeah um jolanda asks about a divorce are you still tied to your ex if there's children involved Unless you break soul ties with them, yes, you're connected. Particularly where there are children involved because of the emotional attachment and involvement. I used to find, because I have been divorced, and I used to find that every time, and I still do, uh, um, after I'd spoken with my ex-husband, I cut soul ties with him. Thank you, Sandra, for that. I also remember a story, and it was in a book written by the woman who created God TV, where she visited heaven, and there was a woman there um, who had these tremendous, big, long, like, uh, stakes um, driven into her heart, almost like a lance, that were pierced into her body, her spiritual body, into the center of it. And it was because yep. her, her husband had committed adultery 
on her and it mm. created these deep wounds. And um, while she was speaking to the Lord, the husband came up and, and wept and, you know, conf and, and apologized. And those things were then removed from her spirit. So if you've ever experienced that kind of trauma in your life, um, you will have to ask the Lord to remove those things. Yeah, it's so hard to forgive, but once you forgive, then the Lord can remove those things. And you don't have to wait for the other person to beg your forgiveness. <laughs> Just ask the Lord and get rid of them so that your heart and your, your spirit are all can be healed and made whole. Now, Lorna also had a question. No, she said, would Lynn's example of being dependent on a person instead of God be idolatry in a sense? Yes. Anything that is taking the place of Jesus or the Lord or, the, or, or God or the Holy Spirit in your life is considered idolatry. So if you seek a person first instead of the Trinity, then you're putting them above God, and that's a form of idolatry which is why the Lord had us put those hard and fast rules in the academy. That's the reason why we handle things like we do, is to try and, and keep people from falling into that trap. Well, if there's no more questions about uh, soul ties, we actually went into next week's message a little bit about bad soul ties, but we're going to look at it scripturally speaking, uh, according to the word of God next week. We're going to delve into that topic. But for today, we're going to go ahead and end this meeting. Thank you all so much for coming. Um, we will have a time of prayer for your needs next. But I'm going to end this meeting and say, may God bless you and keep you. And may you experience his shalom.